0: And welcome to Cast in Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and that uh, little uh, bit of music that you just heard was a full recording of a song that Scape improvised 100 episodes ago, uh, which I call Scapey section of the show. Uh, Scape, uh, Scape is here, of course. Scape white my cat. Scape. Um, that song was very, actually, very similar to the Frank Allen song. No, not really. Well, you're, I mean, you're saying no, not really, but it is. It was. Frank Allen. He's a dick. Or is that what it was?
1: Is he? a
2: joke. It's a joke, Dad. Also, that's the, this one goes the C B section of the show. Yeah, but it's
0: the same. But it's the same chords, and it's the same. I, I played the same thing. I think it was like um, Frank Allen was like Frank Allen. He's a. Dick. Uh, this new one is um it's, it's, it's pretty similar
2: dad i don't know what you're talking about i'm
0: talking about the fact that like a, a couple of years ago one week apart you improvised two songs that were very similar what of it um well i mean i don't No, i mean i'm not really going anywhere with it but um okay and so that that's a thing that happened. And so that was the song we recorded it. Um it is a hot hot day here in New York City. Um it's like almost 90 degrees out. Uh we've got the air conditioner off for the recording so you guys won't hear it. Um so we are feeling it. Let me just say that. We are feeling it cuz we we've rec- already recorded a few things. We've been recording days in history. We've been recording a uh, segment we've got coming up soon. We've been recording a story. We recorded that song and we are already quite sweaty. Um, quite sweaty. Um, but let me introduce the rest of my my co-hosts. Scape White, of course, is here. I'm not
2: sweaty, Dad. I don't sweat.
0: Well, right. You're a cat. You don't sweat. So you're just kind of like stretching out a lot and trying to give off heat.
2: Yeah, basically. That's what I do.
0: Well, I I know that's what you do. Okay. If you were a dog, you know what you would do if you are a dog, Scape? What? You would would pant.
2: I don't wear pants.
0: No, I'm I'm talking about when dogs are hot, they stick their their tongues out and they kind of (laughs) go... That's how they. That's how they. They get rid of heat. What? You know how dogs have their tongue
2: out? Yeah, they're dumbasses. <laughs> they're like stupid. They're like, hey, I'm a dog. Hey, I'm a I'm a dog.
0: Okay. Well, I didn't understand any of that. But what I'm what I'm saying is the reason that dogs stick their tongues out is because that it helps them cool off. It helps them keep cool. No, it's
2: not cool. That is really uncouth. No,
0: I'm, I'm saying it helps them keep from overheating. What? The heat, come, they, I guess they release the heat through their tongue. I don't know. Or maybe their tongue sweats. I don't, I don't know. But I know that that's the tongue out is to, to, to cool down their, themselves.
2: That's, that's really ridiculous. That I have my own tongue. Do you see? This one? Yeah, I
0: know your tongue.
2: Right. It doesn't keep me cool. It keeps me clean. That's I, I got to go, to clean myself. But it doesn't get me at all cool. I know.
0: I'm talking about dogs. Dogs and cats are... Okay. Dogs and cats are different. I mean, is that a statement I have to say out loud? Dogs and cats are different? I, can I butt in and say you don't have to say that out loud, especially when you're still keeping me waiting to introduce me? Right, yes. Frank, here you go. Uh, Mr. Frank Allen. Thank you, finally. Um, Scape may not be drenched in sweat, but I am. It is incredibly, oppressively hot here. Uh, I am. I am wearing a suit like I normally do, and I feel like it was a very big mistake because it is like the the shirt is i have an undershirt on that is totally drenched but the my button shirt is also pretty wet at this point the jacket thankfully is not really soaked but i like why like can we just turn the air conditioner back on for a little while only if you don't want to finish the podcast maybe we should take a break well we, we don't we don't take that long look let's just keep it moving and then we'll we'll get through it all and then we'll be fine um, Rory. Rory, uh, St. John is here. Yes, hello, hi, yes. Rory, what's wrong? You sound upset. I'm, I it's hot. That's all, I'm just hot. Yeah, I know, we're all hot. We're talking, let's not talk about how hot it is. That's very difficult. It's very hot. I mean, my, I, I'm much like Frank. I'm, you know, dripping here. Well, I know. Okay, I know. Uh, let's talk about something else. Um... So, how about the winter and the polar ice caps? What do you think about those? Aren't those great? Well, actually, that a joke. Are you making a joke? No, I'm talking about something cool and refreshing so that— That doesn't work.
3: That doesn't do anything.
0: It's re- like, Can we just move on? Okay, move on. Um, well, uh, one thing that we can move on to is the fact that uh, this is a big uh, episode in that 100 episodes ago, in episode 34, uh, in addition to being 100 episodes since Scape sang that song for the first time. Um, and, and we did a duet, obviously, to celebrate that. It was also 100 episodes ago today, today, by which I mean this episode, <laughs> that we premiered Scapy Stories. The first episode of Scapy Stories aired in episode 34. And um, today we've got the, the uh, 39th episode. So that's not quite one every two episodes, but it's, uh, you know, it's getting up there. It's definitely one uh, more than one out of every three episodes, and
2: that and that includes like right, not doing it for like almost a year. I
0: think over a year. I'm pretty sure we went over a year one time.
2: Oh, yeah, that's too long, Doug.
0: Well, yeah. Okay, yes, that is too long. So let's make sure we don't do that again. But uh, we did one for this episode, and it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. In addition, um, oh, Whew. sorry, I'm seeing you're feeling it too. Yes, let's just turn on the air conditioner, please. No, we we can't do it while we're recording because it's it's too hot. Because it's too hot. No, I'm sorry. No, that's what. That's why we want to turn it on we can't do it because it's loud and it is um makes a lot of noise. What are we uh, why let's can we not do this? We'll, can we not sit here in miser- misery the entire time? Okay, uh you know what? I'll I'll turn us over to something that we won't hear us being miserable guys and you're just going to have to suck it up in that time. Um uh, but a few minutes ago, uh before before we started recording with Frank and Rory, I I recorded with a a visitor, uh as most of you know, I um, am the owner of the Bronx Zoo at this point. I, I, I inherited it. And um, I have some ideas about how it should be run. And I, I have a person who is running it for me. His name is uh, Dr. Mike Pembleton. And uh, let me turn it over to the interview I just did with him to see how things are going. And so now we go to Dr. Michael, Doc Mike Pembleton, who is here to talk to me about uh, the Bronx Zoo. Or rather... The uh, Bronx Zoo Socialist Republic. Doc Mike, how's it going? Fantastic, my glorious chairman. Thank you for uh, saying that to me. Okay, so let's talk about the zoo. How you've been running the zoo for me for what, like two months now? Something like that? Maybe more.
4: Yes, and I must say that the animal's progress in um, our five-year plan is going... It's. Going well.
0: It, I mean, is it not going well? I would imagine it would be going well. Was what I wanted to hear.
4: Oh, well, well, bad, disastrous. These are all just uh, kind of relative terms in the grand scheme of things. You know, these these communist republics. They 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 take time to develop.
0: Sure, but it, there's a big difference between well and disastrous. I mean, you're right in relative terms. But I guess relative to well, how about we'll just start with relative to the way it was going before we took over.
4: Relative to that. Um, well, you know, like, adjectives like disastrous or horrific are even just relative between person
0: to person.
4: Wait, too. wait, wait. Like, so
0: it's going to be horrific or disastrous? Those are the choices? I,
4: I, I didn't say... I, I don't think I ever said horrific or disastrous. You used
0: those words. That's you, what you think. That is what I heard as well. Okay. So wait, what's going wrong? Um, I mean, this plan, it seemed solid when I came up with it, and you told me it was going to go well.
4: Well, there's this... St- incident in which, you know, we were trying to spell out the quotas to the animals, and well, one of the workers in the process of speaking with the animals and trying to inform of its new responsibilities in this um, communal republic, uh, well, did you know most animals can't really understand complicated uh, concepts like means of production too well and are also rather... Hungry. Well,
0: yeah, but they earn the food, so then they get the food, and then they learn. Well,
4: uh, they decided to take the food in terms of a zookeeper's arm.
0: A zookeeper's arm got taken off by
4: whom? One of the lions. They're a capitalistic sword. I, I really feel like that they're just an enemy of the people. Really. Okay.
0: Well, so, I, so what did you? How did you deal with that? Well, I
4: sent them to Siberia. Wait, just I mean- just because they need to be reintegrated and
0: reeducated and brought back into society? Do you? Okay, I'm. Do you mean that you actually sent an actual lion to Siberia or like the uh, Siberian exhibit of the zoo? Not not an actual,
4: uh, family of lions. To
0: the real Siberia? There's a fake Siberia? Well, like the Siberian section of the zoo.
4: Oh, no, I sent them to the real Siberia. None of that fake stuff.
0: Why would you? Now we don't have any lions. Oh, when they get
4: re-educated and reintegrated into society, we'll have lions But again. we, but we don't run to- Siberia. Oh, we don't?
0: No, we're not the USSR. We're not even Russia. We're just a zoo. We have our zoo. That's all we are. Well,
4: that's a really tiny Soviet socialist republic. Well, yes. I mean, that that's gonna be tough to work with.
0: That well, that's what you've been working with. If you sent them to a zoo in Siberia, the zoo in Siberia is not gonna send them back.
4: Oh, I see uh, There's a, a zoological iron wall between us and Siberia. Well, uh, or an iron so curtain. to speak.
0: Yeah. Okay, but or like bars, really. But I don't. That not, has nothing to do with it. The, the point is, you, if you're going to punish people and re-educate them, you have to do it on the property of our zoo. And by people, I mean animals.
4: Okay, I'll just remember that um, with the cheetahs. They're, they're beginning to agitate for rebellion now, too. They- yeah, just send them to a, one of the
0: cold exhibits. Okay. Like the penguin exhibit, but not with the penguins in it.
4: Yeah, they don't seem to get along too well. The cheetahs and penguins. Wait,
0: why do you know this? Oh, um, nothing. You, you know the
4: cheetahs just seem like a really antisocial and somewhat murderous uh, breed. More than the lions,
0: who tore off a guy's arm. Well, oh,
4: yeah. Uh, by the way, do do you know where we can get more? Uh, more? Do you know how possibly we could enlarge the penguin population by any chance? Like uh, perhaps if another well, could, breeding. I mean, you know, maybe we could uh, borrow a penguin or two from a. Um, close by zoo.
0: Well, no, I mean there's no reason to do that. We have plenty of penguins. Well, so,
4: that's what you think.
0: How many, how many how many penguins do we have
4: right now? Um, one and a half.
0: A uh, half? He, he's mostly functional. Wh- what are you doing to my zoo? You told me you were going to be able to run this properly. You won the, p- the part, the part, the, the the job. Yes,
4: I am running it mostly properly. Is what we're doing here is revolution, and every once in a while, there's going to be some messiness. There's what gonna...
0: percentage of the population of animals have we lost, either through sending them to uh, other countries or death?
4: In terms of animals, yeah. are we including human beings in this estimate? Oh
0: God, I wasn't gonna because I didn't think of no.
4: Oh, okay, then let's not include human beings. Okay, in the good. Estimate. Yes. Um, um, in terms of animals remaining, you percentage. Know, I, I put it in a strong sixty-three <laughs> percent.
0: 37% of the animals are gone? How many of those are dead? Uh, 18.5. Oh. You mean, wait, 18.5 animals or 18.5.5%? Uh, animals. Okay, well, that's that's better than percent. That's horrible, though, that 18.5 animals are dead. Well,
4: as I was saying before, revolutions are really messy wait, things. Wait, plus that like-
0: means how many of them did you send? M- you sent all those animals to Siberia? Well,
4: you know, just, just the lions and the parrots. We
0: don't. Oh, in Siberia! Like I, I, I all right. You got to turn this. Around. Wait now. I hesitate to ask this. How many human beings have died? Uh, I put the number
4: about twenty-two, but that—that's pending certain news coming back from the hospital. They—they uh, they promised they get back to me tomorrow morning. Twenty-two about that people
0: guy. died, well, and this is on your watch. And uh, I'm assuming we don't have insurance that covers this.
4: Insurance is this a? the bourgeoisie though oh
0: great so 22 dead employees how how is anybody still working for well, us? oh
4: wait employees i'd say more like we're more at seven dead employees
0: whoa 15 visitors 15 zoo visitors are dead 15 like members of the public who came to our zoo well
4: you see that was that was just from that one day we decided you know what the bars that wall us away as a society need to be dropped for a day. Oh and, my god. You know, we, we thought it'd be a great experience for both the, the people and the animals. And well, um, certain new freedoms were kind of discovered. Well,
0: I would imagine so. So we've, you, you, you're, you, you have been responsible for the death of 22 people. Well,
4: I, like to say, animal instincts were responsible for the death of twenty-two people. Um Perhaps I might have given the animal instincts a bit of a push with the whole lowering of the bars day. But so what are you we going to do we, about we this? we learned from our lessons. What
0: are we learned from our lessons? Good. What are we going to do about this, Doc? Hmm.
4: I got it. We'll lower rations and um, and just say th- this is the price of not cooperating and not. Uh, functioning properly as a
0: society and is that everybody eats less i don't understand how does that help well you see
4: starvation creates a character you know and it just it just sort of shows a contingency between doing something horrible and just having less food to eat um, as penance
0: i i don't i don't see how this is going to help but if you think that's the best thing to do let's do it i guess and what are we going to do about all these people that we killed that you killed, that you are responsible uh, solely for the death of, <sighs> because I'm not I because I even I own the zoo, but you're run. I mean, you've been running it, so it's on you, right? Legally, right? I imagine well, yeah, that's what I would assume is correct.
4: I can't remember is my name on the deed for the zoo? No, I, not on
0: the deed because I own it, but you run it. You know what? I should
4: probably go back to the. Go back to our lawyers to see, like, w- what can be done in terms of this, um... You know, I'm, I'm sure there's some playful alterations to the English language we could utilize here to sort of mitigate risk and blame for everyone involved.
0: Okay, alright. Um, I wonder what you're doing to make it up to the family.
4: We'll increase their food rations. No, we
0: don't control the rations of people in the world. We
4: could send them to Siberia?
0: No, they, we don't control Siberia- <sighs> okay. You have to think of this zoo as its own country,
4: basically. We send them to the zoo then. No. To so the Siberian exhibit expi- within the zoo.
0: No, because they're not they are not part of our country. They come to visit. They're like tourists who come to our country to visit. And we want their tourist money. Hmm. You see? So we can't kill them because then no one will come to the zoo country. Point well received. Got it. Okay, good. Now you're getting this. So when one country wrongs a citizen of another country, what do they do? Go to war. No.
4: We, we will go to war with America.
0: No, that's not... I do not think that We'll that go is, to war with Siberia. No, we don't have... Siberia is not... I don't even think it's a country, is it? I don't even know what it is. But the point is, we should not go to war, and we're the ones who did the wronging, not the ones who are wronged. So if anything, America goes to war with us, and we don't want that. Then we'll
4: just build up a... We'll, we'll build a defense budget.
0: Uh, Well, uh, for what?
4: If we can build a stronger defense arsenal than America, then we'll be definitely protected in the case of any strikes.
0: What kind of arsenal are you talking about?
4: I don't know. Weapons, defense and stuff. Now, I don't want to come out here and say we're in an arms race or cold war here, but, well, it's starting to feel a little bit that way.
0: Except that people from America come to our country all the time. Our zoo. I mean, probably less so now that we've killed so many of them
4: because they're preparing an act of aggression against us. Well, I would think
0: cuz they don't want to die.
4: If they don't want to die, they
0: shouldn't come here. But no, that's not we don't want that's not the message we're trying to portray. We want their money. All right. Here's what here's what we're going to do. You could try the rations thing. I if that's going to work, I don't know. Find, you know, find some animals who are willing t- to go along with this plan, who can help you get the other ones to fall in line. You know, there's got to the be tigers.
4: The tigers are natural born leaders. I'll appeal to them.
0: Okay. Give it a shot. If you think that they're, I mean, you've, you know them better than I do at this point. If they, if they're the ones who you can turn, turn them. The point is, see what you can do. Cause we got to get them all on board. And once we're a, you know, a force. To be reckoned with. Then, then we can go to war. We're not going to go to war. If anything, we'll try to influence American politics from the inside very subtly. You see? Oh. Yeah. I like how you think. We can get a guy chairman. on the inside. What? Chairman? Oh, you called me chairman. I, I didn't understand what you said. Yes. Right. Like, we can get a guy into the American government from our, I don't know, like a, a monkey or something. The point is, we've we got to start small. We've got to get our own backyard in order. So no more deaths. I don't want to hear about any more deaths.
4: Understood. I shall ensure no further deaths happen. Good,
0: Chairman. Thank you. Perfect. Oh, good. That's what I want to hear. No more deaths. Perfect. All right. Well, anything else you want to let me know about?
4: I thank you for your faith in my policies.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I I hired you as so I got to go with the guy I went with. You know, I got to stick with my my gut.
4: It is very much appreciated, Chairman.
0: All right. All right. Well. We'll talk again soon. Uh, you should get back to work.
4: Yes. I shall start appealing to the Tigers immediately. All
0: right. Thank you for coming. Everybody, Doc Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. <sighs> okay. Um, so that was a nice interview. Um, and uh, ooh, why didn't you turn on the air conditioner while we were listening to because that? I beca- oh, Jesus. Rory. Because that's how it is. Why, uh, why are you doing this to me? Why are you not letting this go? Fine. You know what? Let's talk about... The fact that you are now personally responsible for the deaths of, what was it, 22 people? No, I'm not. I'm not personally responsible. He is personally responsible because he's running it. Yeah, but you own it. So isn't the zoo as a whole responsible? And aren't you the owner, therefore? No, no. I, well, he's going he's gonna to talk to his lawyers, but I don't think that's how law works. That is actually very much how law works. I've looked into the law because I have dealt with the law because I've run afoul of the law. So as Rory here, as you know. Well, no, I, not not in, in many ways. Very, very few Regardless ways. Regardless of that, I, I don't think that I'm responsible. I really, really don't. Well, that's interesting interpretation, but I don't believe that you're correct. I do believe... Okay. Wow. This is really... It is really quite hot, isn't it? Yes, can we please stand on the air No, it's going to be so loud, and no one will be able to hear us talking, and it'll be so obnoxious and annoying. Could it possibly be more obnoxious and annoying than us whining? I well, No, probably not, but... <sighs> No, I we, we're we a professional organization, sort of, and we are going to do our damnedest. Let's You know what? Let's go straight to the shows. We've got lots of shows uh, to play in this episode. Let's go to those, and then we will, um, you know, what are we talking about? How hard it is. No, I'm, no, I'm, okay. Let's go to the shows. Okay. Right. Okay, well, uh, here's, which one's first? We we'll usually do Slam Jackson first. Yes, Slam Jackson. Here's. Sam Jackson, Adventurist.
5: <laughs> Sam Jackson! Adventurist! <laughs> I was... seasoned Ah... Oh. I mess it up. Season two, episode 14. The affection designation by by Pete Bowers, Charles Berman, and Daniel Schwartz. Our story opens outside the domicile of Slam Jackson, Private Investigator and F adventuress! Shhh! Shh, you shh, wake him! Sound asleep as I enter with my slightly intoxicated date. I'm not drunk. You're drunk. You are also drunk. With some text that would make Freud blush, I insert my key into the door lock and twist it violently, only to experience difficulty removing the key. Embarrassed, I nonetheless... Look, can you take over? Oh, sure.
6: Embarrassed, he nonetheless struggles with the lock. Having failed utterly to impress me, normal options like turning the doorknob have clearly been left behind. His date begins to reconsider her choices.
5: Only to have her first instincts confirmed as I open the door and triumphantly usher her within.
7: <laughs> Only to encounter an incredibly annoyed Slam Jackson.
5: Poop! <laughs> Slam Jackson!
6: I'm in his house! Breathing his air!
7: Oh. Hello, Annie. That interview will have to wait.
5: Um, hey, good buddy! I hadn't imagined that you would still be up had you failed to notice the sock I placed
7: tacitly on your doorknob. Why, yes I did. But then I thought, is this really my sock? Could my sociopath roommate have sold it to someone? I don't know.
5: Who in the world would buy your socks? Oh!
8: Oh, pick me!
7: Look, guys. If you want some time alone, why not go to a hotel? Then you could have a room with a door that closes and isn't mine.
6: I could be lying in Slam Jackson's bed right now.
7: I would lend you the money, but oh, look, my wallet is empty of funds. How could such a thing occur? I spend frugally, I have few needs, I run a successful business, I have no sudden expenses beyond the additional roommate who steals my things and once hit me with a chair...
5: There's now really a time to bring that up again.
7: If only I knew someone who solved mysteries. A detective, maybe. Yeah, a detective could come up with a list of viable suspects. Maybe pursue inquiries that could lead to legal action. Let me think. I remember receiving a business card. Let me look here. Oh, here it is in my empty change pocket. Slam Jackson, what a funny name. I think I'll call him. Well, how about that? A busy signal. I wonder who he could be talking to this late at night, when he should be sleeping. Why must you be
5: such a dillweed?
7: Me? I'm the dillweed.
5: Indeed! Of all the weeds, you are really dilly! You're drunk. And you're gay! But in the morning, I'll be sober, and you'll still be gay! Oh, you guys are great, like Gallagher and
6: Sheehan. Or just Gallagher, without the watermelons.
5: Yeah, I'm drunk.
7: Yes. Yes, you are.
5: Perhaps I should take the young lady to lie down, Oh, intruder on amorous interludes. Not on your life.
6: I am not missing any of
5: this.
7: Look, you're going to be missing some of this. It's late. I'm tired. You guys are coming between me and sleep.
5: Oh my god. What is it, embalmed emblem of excellence? I'm bothering Slam Jackson!
7: Yes, but you, I'll forgive.
5: You don't understand there's nobody
6: here but you guys and me!
5: Why yes, my blotto bastion of beauty! But can't you see? That means...
6: I'm the Slam Jackson villain! I'm his latest Dutch nemesis! This is terrible!
7: No, Annie, that's not what oh, I- Oh,
6: I can't deny what I am! It is... It is I, Slam Jackson, Annie Italic, drunk girl reporter, your newest- <laughs> uh,
5: uh. Way to cock-block me, good buddy! I didn't. Whatever! You suck. I... Why did you have to be such a dick about it? I was Why did he have to be such a dick about it? Will I be able to salvage things with Annie? My place next time or hers? Await in sapphire scrotum speculation for the next salivate episode of Slam Jackson. Bridge. <laughs>
0: in that episode of Slam Jackson Ventress, the narrator was Mickey Walshman. Wait, we're not done yet. Clem Jackson was Jack Coonrad. Can't we talk this out? And the italic girl reporter was Angela Tyler. Hi, Bob? Hello and welcome to this day in history. My name is Roy Singen, and this is WHRW Binghamton. On June 18th, 1815, at Waterloo in Belgium, Napoleon Bonaparte suffers defeat at the hands of the Duke of Wellington, bringing an end to the Napoleonic era of European history.
9: Well, Wellington, you
2: may have beat me, but I can still take this one last swim.
10: Oh, well, all right, Napoleon, The swim all the way over there to... Ender.
2: Yeah, I put on my swimming muscles. I swim. I swim. Splish, splash, splish, splash.
10: Keep going, Napoleon. It's I'll very, throw these it's very
2: deep. small it's
10: children in with you.
11: you. You you, watch me? You watch me because I smile like a child.
10: I want to go swimming,
12: daddy. Uh,
10: there you are. Hello, small children. Look, there's your former emperor swimming to exile. I'll Yay. throw you in the water. Enjoy now. Yay. Off to go, keep, make keep my, swimming, my famous children, <laughs> beef. Keep swimming. Some beef, Lord Wellington. Keep yes, I'm I love beef. Wellington,
2: these children are drowning. And, oh no, my muscles are deflating. Oh. Wellington, help! Help! Wellington. I'm too busy eating. Wellington, we're drowning. He's almost as big as me.
0: <laughs> Waterloo, what an ironic name. And uh, not only the children, but yes, the childlike emperor all drowned because they were not observed in the swimming pool. Now, technically, if you have a childlike emperor, you need not watch him. He should be able to take care of himself. However, your children should probably not go in their swimming pool or waterloos without your guidance. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton.
13: But like, oh my god, don't put your life preserver away yet, okay? My name is Helen of Troy, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast in Wax. So, like, apparently, after this whole fiasco with Napoleon and swimming and kids and whatever, and I guess, like, the lifeguard was just too busy looking at me in my swimsuit to watch the kids or whatever, they made it a rule that, like, if you run a country or something, like, you're not allowed to go swim. Like, I guess it didn't matter about the kids dying or whatever, but you got this little runty half-man guy who used to run a place, and then no one's watching him when he swims and he drowns, and I guess you can't go swimming anymore if you run a country. So, like, George W. Bush wanted to go swimming, and he was all like, oh my god, I run the country, I want to go swimming, so I'm going to go swimming, because I want to, because I'm the president. So, he puts on his swim shorts, and he's, because he, he's going to go swimming, but uh, his Secret Service people are like, no, 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 you can't, you can't go swimming, because, like." It's totally not allowed. And he's like, screw off then, I'm just gonna go, like, cut some trees or something. But really, he snuck off, and he went swimming, and because he's a total dumb butt, he totally drowned. So, the thing is, if someone had just been watching his dumb butt when he was swimming, they, I mean, they might have just decided to watch him drown or something, but in theory, they might have, like, gone in and, like, saved his life. So, like, if children or half-men or somebody who isn't any good at swimming or whatever wants to go swimming, like, make sure someone's watching them so they don't... Don't drown, and they don't have to have stupid rules. This is Helen of Troy, and this has been celebrity. Where are they now in history? On cast and wax.
5: Nathan Manetti saves Vermont. Vermont. Michael R. Weissner, Pete C. Bowers, Charles H. Berman, Edward A. Kirchner, and Dan Schwartz. Episode 5!
11: Quiet, unwashed mass. Enough exposition. I am announcing my presence and what it signifies.
8: Nolan von Edson, you're...
11: Dreamy beyond the riches of avarice. Rich as a whip. Smart as a prince. You didn't hear it from
5: me, but yes! You're the mystery presenter? Now you owe me syrup and check Mix. ha! Huh. Oh, what a delicious combination.
11: Your every word is a poisonous serpent's fang in my urethra. Silence! I am here to present this award to Nathan Van Etten, and I am here to do it in a way that destroys all that he cares about as utterly as possible.
5: So you
11: took the voice! I have no idea what voice you mean. So to that end, I would like you to extend a vindictively enthusiastic round of applause for Knut Van Buren from the van Knut Meg, all the way from Thorpsburg, and his bride, Nathan Van Etten's now legally unobtainable beloved Ivana Van Doren Van Buren.
14: Really? Van Doren Van Buren?
11: She's a modern, independent woman. Thank you, Nolan. I've already forgotten what I did for you.
12: We haven't forgotten what you did for us. Thanks for setting us up. My
5: heart is as broken as the gameplay of the druid from version 3.5. Dungeons and Dragons, of course.
3: You
11: know, back when I met Nathan, I thought of him as a vaguely irritating but basically harmless annoyance I saw around town from time to time. But now that Nolan here has told me about his serial raping, child murdering, bestial tax-evading ways, and his support of Christian Rock, I was happy to be involved in the concert against
10: Nathan. Are you ready for Knut Meg Vermont? Let me hear it.
14: Thanks, Knut. Those were your comments. Are we ready for the rest of the ceremony? Let's have it anyway. We have one more announcement before the concert. On orders of the richest man since Chop Henderson, Nolan Vaughnetson, the Ann B. Davis Maple Syrup Company, is shutting down. We have been bought out and liquidated. Within days, 92% of you residents of Vermont will be out of a job. The remainder will be unemployed. Remember, shh, it's a secret. Yay! Now let's hear Knut Meg.
8: What? Well, what are you going to do? Nolan Von Etsen clearly set this all up as a trap just to make you miserable. If you don't kill him for this, I will.
5: Oh, why bother, Jane? I've lost my voice. I've lost my Ivana. I've lost my syrup. And I'm multiple states away from my collection of action figures. What do I have left to live for? What about me? It's not always about you, Jane. I'm the miserable
8: one here, not you! Ivana! Ivana! Have you paid any attention to how she's been treating you? Does she call you every day? Does she look out for you? Does she even know what your name is? No, Nathan, she doesn't. She even went as far as marrying a guitar player and not you. She doesn't know that your first word was grok. She hasn't taken the time to hear about every single action figure that you polished and arranged when you think you're alone in your room every f***ing day. And this head voice thing has gone on long enough. I don't even know what that whole thing is about. I've watched you constantly for the last year and I still don't understand what's going on there. But there is one thing I do understand and it's high time that you started to understand it too. I love you, Nathan Van Etten. I love you. I've loved you for years, don't you get it? I love you! Jane! Jane!
5: Jane!
8: What, Nathan? What do you have to say for yourself?
5: I'll begin with please stop shaking me. Uh. Oh, oh god. I never noticed how pretty colors are.
8: Colors? I will destroy the visible light spectrum if it will make you shut up and notice me, you wonderful stupid man! Well,
5: you're half right. And your violent shaking has helped clear my head. You should have said something before, Jane. Or at least implied it. For such a paragon of womanhood, for so beautiful a goddess of loveliness, for the greatest female humanity will ever produce, for the greatest humanity a female could ever produce. Ivana hasn't been the nicest to me, I guess.
8: Skip to the part where you issue a massive retraction.
5: Jane, I must say that there are words that you've said. From your mouth to my ears. And I've heard them. And they've opened my eyes and made me see the things that can be touched. Smell is a scent too. But I guess the point that I've just learned now is that you, Jane, the woman standing in front of me right now, you as a person who have said things to me,
8: things I have heard from your... Mouth! Um... Oh, oh, you're so close.
11: Before you achieve emotional closure, I can't help but notice that I'm not talking in this dialogue. Now is as good a time as any for our shocking twist in this, our Sorted Tale.
8: God damn it, Nolan!
11: God is powerless here. This is Vermont, and I am Nolan, Vaughn, Etson But even more than that, and this, Nathan, is the part where you'd better be paying attention.
5: Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, could you start again? My head is still spinning from Jane's manly shaking session.
11: Even more than that, I am Nolan, Vaughn, Edson, your brother!
5: No! That's not true! That's impossible!
11: Search this birth certificate, you know it to be true!
5: No! I just said that it was impossible!
11: Brothers are entirely possible, Nathan. Lots of people have brothers, including you!
5: This can't be! Dad never mentioned that I had a brother!
9: Well, you never asked. Would you have liked to know?
5: Dad! What are you doing in Vermont?
9: I came with you on the plane, remember? I beat up an Irishman. You were there. Oh, yeah! yar. So, Father, you've come at last. What, to Vermont? Oh, I've been here many times. The local cheeses are entirely adequate.
5: No, Dad, he means you're here for the climactic confrontation.
9: I suppose that I am. Son, you're a man now. It's time you learned the truth.
5: Oh, there's a lot of truths running around in here today.
9: You see, Nathan, there comes a time in every man's life when he must realize that his son is a materialistic bastard. Except for those fathers who do not have materialistic bastard sons, to be fair. How I envy them. Well, allow me to prostrate myself with apology, Father, that I am uninterested
11: in the wet seasons of Dubai or the textile manufacturing of the Anasazi.
9: Spare me your sarcastic prostrations. I should beat the bejesus out of you here and now. But that is not my place, not my way. If anyone is going to hand you your own ass, it is my good son, Nathan. Before anyone hands
11: anyone anyone's ass, I have yet to present you your prize. Behold the Sap Extractor! Syrup Dragoons, seize him!
8: Nathan, no!
0: In that lesson from the life of Nathan Manetton, Nolan Voretzen was Ed Jones. Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Woishner, Jane was Erin Morrissey, Newt was Ben Kleinman, and Helen was Lisa Paquette. Hello and welcome to this day in history on WHRW Binghamton, where my name is Rory St. John. Back on June 25th, 1993, in Ottawa, Canada, Kim Campbell is sworn in as Canada's 19th Prime Minister, becoming the first woman to hold the country's highest office.
10: Okay, Kim, dear. Well, seems we've got to get to the... Uh House of Parliament, so you can be sworn in. Let's get the kids in the car.
14: Oh, that's perfect, darling. I think I'll just put little Jimmy in his car seat backwards in the front seat and not buckle the seatbelt.
10: Sounds good. I'll drive at 80 miles an hour. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, lots and lots of kilometers per hour. We are in Canada. Well, are we ready to go out?
2: Yes, and let's make it snappy. I don't want to miss it. <gasps> Bang! Yeah!
10: Well, I was in my seatbelt. How about you, Kim?
8: I was in my seatbelt.
10: I hope the kid was all right. Let's keep going. <coughs> Oh, wait! He looks dead!
14: Oh, no! Now we'll never make the ceremony!
0: They did make the ceremony, though, uh, where they did tell the world about the tragic events of the day, and, um, from then on, everybody learned their lesson. What lesson you ask why, I'll tell you. Make sure that you use child car seats properly, whatever that may entail. You should look it up for yourself. I can't do everything for you. This is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton.
3: But don't stop just yet. You might be missing out on a deal. My name is Henry Redgington of Redgington Chevrolet, and this is Celebrity. Where are they now in history? On Cast and Wax. If you ever get into a car accident like that, you can always know. You can stop into Redgington Chevrolet for the best deals on current model Chevys and on used Chevys. You're looking for a car? You've got them all. The Sonic, the Cruze, the Volt, the Malibu, the Corvette, the Camaro, Impala. The Spark, as you can hear, cars for all tastes and all different types of people, starting as low as 12245 thousand two You looking for a crossover, an SUV? We've got the Equinox, we've got the Traverse, we've got the Tahoe, we've got the Suburban. Looking for trucks? we got Colorado, Avalanche, Silverado, and for van lovers, we've got the Express. Different things for different people, all different price ranges, all different walks of life. Like I said, used and new models both you're not going to find a better deal on a chevrolet than a Reddington Chevrolet. You can take that from me, Henry Reddington, but you know when you get your Reddington Chevrolet, you gotta make sure you put your kid in it the right way. Don't put the car seat in the front, backwards, unbuckled like the Prime Minister of Canada did. Said she learned her lesson, but she lost a child to do so, and you don't wanna make that happen to yourself. For sure after that, when she had other children, they were all secured properly in the back of the seat, things like that, but make sure you don't have to learn that lesson the hard way. Get your kid in there the right way the first time. Do that at Reggington Chevrolet, the number one source in your area for new and used Chevy cars and trucks. Make sure when you come in, you mention Cast and Wax for a special discount on all Chevy trucks and cars. My name is Harry Reggington. This is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax.
2: Scooby
0: Stories
3: from a cat and a dog.
0: Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White, and we have a very special episode today. Uh, We have, of course, the third part of our Friday the 13th series, in which Scape is going to be telling the, you know, part of Friday the 13th, hence what I just said. And we have with us a champion debatiator. Uh 100 episodes ago on the Cast and Wax podcast, you heard him win Debatatorium 2006 by uh, convincing everyone that there is a god, uh, Mr. Lord Zest.
4: Thank you, thank you. And I'm not just a champion debateator, I'm a champion of fashion as well.
0: That is probably true. I don't know how you champion fashion, but- Because
4: god is on my side. Oh,
0: well, that, I guess that's how you won the debate so there you are um but scape yes dad yes are you ready to tell this bone chilling story
2: oh yeah i'm very ready and this one let me tell you your last this uh this this friday the 13th story i'm about to tell you you know
4: oh yes i uh, i think uh i've heard of it in my history textbooks yes okay well
2: it's in 3d Okay.
4: Oh, I see. You don't have 4D yet, do you? Or even 5D? No,
2: no, but it's in 3D. That's more than most stories are in.
4: Most stories in your time.
2: Well, yeah, that's what I said. So, here we go. Friday the 13th Part 3 by Martin Kittrasser and Carol Watson. Okay, so, like, once upon a time, there was, do you remember, if you saw the other movies, which you probably didn't, but I'll tell you, there was a guy named Jason Voorhees. He was a, a caring person. He killed a lot of
4: people. Oh, he, he's a caring
2: person? No, killing. Kill, kill. I will kill you like that.
4: Uh, uh, that that that's nice of you to uh, no, no, care no. for me, but I, I really don't need it.
2: Murder, 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 murder.
4: You, oh, to act as a mother towards no. these kids, oh, this is a very hot tale. I'm very happy. No,
2: he takes a knife, and he sticks it in people's guts, and he makes them dead.
4: That's not very caring. No,
2: no, it's caring.
4: Yeah, it's closer to killing.
2: Yes, that's what I'm saying, yes. He is a killer. And what he does is he kills about people. The reason he does it is because a long time ago, he was at a camp when he was a kid and he drowned. But I guess he didn't because he grew up and now he's angry and he kills people at the camp, okay? So, at the end of part two... Uh, they've, they thought that he was dead, but he didn't get dead. So what happens is he escapes.
4: Oh, so he's like a shredding as cat, in other words.
2: Dead yet not. Uh, well, kind of. They all think he's dead, but he he sneaks away and he goes to a little store where people sell some food. And the guy who runs the store is like, hey, wife, you know, do what I say all the time. I'm a jerk. And, and then eat some of the food. And then he puts it back to sell it. <laughs> He's not very good. <laughs> and, but then what happens is that's okay because Jason comes in and goes, I kill you. And he kills him. And his wife both. Dead.
4: Well, a- at least he gave warning by coming in saying, I will kill you now. He
2: didn't M- say it. M-
4: I mean, most gentlemen are not that, uh, well, orderly in their murdering processes.
2: <laughs> well, he didn't say, I will kill you. Really, because he mostly doesn't say anything ever, but his actions spoke louder than his words, and he said, with his actions, I will kill you because they were dead from
4: Ah, it. I can respect that, actually. A man of few words.
2: Yeah. He says, I think...
4: Man of action. Zero. One, I can tell zero. he's a hero of the story.
2: Well, I wouldn't say that. So, he steals some crows, and he he, put, he killed the people at the store. He killed the dude with a meat cleaver in his head, and he killed the guy's wife, who was bad Wait. also, with a needle for her eye in 3D. Don't
4: forget. I suppose I should be scared, but... Oh, yeah.
2: Because it was 3D, so it's like, Oh, gosh! What, what if that needle pokes you in the eye? What about that? I
4: would be more scared. Yeah. If I was looking at this in 60, and the needle was coming at me, because then, you truly understand fear.
2: Well, but what if it was 3D, it would still get your eye?
4: <sighs> the people of the future are just not afraid of 3D things uh, anymore. Well,
2: trust me, trust me, it's- it's bad. So! Meanwhile, okay, there's a girl named Chris, and she's, like, going on a trip with her friends, and she goes, Hey, friends. (sighs) Hey, boyfriend. That she's with her boyfriend. She says, Hey, boyfriend. I remember a couple years ago, do you know, about a couple years ago, I was at the same place we're going to, the same camp we're going to, and our dude attacked me in the forest, and he was ugly, by the way, Jason. Secretly is ugly, okay? Hmm. A dude attacked me, he was ugly, and now I'm scared, but that was years ago, so what are the odds that it would ever happen again? Pretty rare, I imagine. And so I'm gonna go back and conquer my fear. Do you understand about that?
4: I'm a man that lives without fear. Okay,
2: well, imagine you've had fear.
4: Uh, such an old 20th century invention, fear. No!
2: It's always a thing. Fear. There's a guy trying to kill you. He's ugly. How about that? He's ugly.
4: Okay, ugly people do scare me quite a bit. Well, they don't so much scare me as they make me feel sad for... They're truly inferior beings. Well, and I wish I could help them out and bring them up to my level.
2: Well, no, that's not how it works. So, all the friends, there's a bunch of them, guys and girls, both. And they're going on this camping trip to a cabin. And a couple of them going to the store. On the way there, and they're like, hey, we want to buy some stuff at the store. What do you think about that? And you know who they see is a bunch of tough guys? Like, three, two tough guys and one tough girl. Oh,
4: both of ruffians. Yeah,
2: yeah, but they were, they were ruffians. And they had motorcycles, okay? And so.
4: Oh, do they engage in regular festicuffs?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh. I think is that when you use your fist on your on your cuffs? No,
4: it it's usually been well uh, a brutish scallywag, uh, you know, just uh, they
2: didn't have tails to wear.
4: They they're a garrulous sort of uh, people. They
2: didn't eat their grrr. <sighs> no. They were motorcycle peoples. We were tough, okay? And so they're like, hey, get away from our motorcycles. And this dude, Sherry, he's a guy, and his name is Sherry, okay? And he's like, oh, uh, oh no, I accidentally knocked over your motorcycles. And they knocked. They went bang, 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 knock over. Do you know how that goes? And the tough guys are like, We are going to kill you, Sherry. And Sherry's like, Everybody go run! And they all ran and they get in their car and they drive off as fast as they can because they want to get away from the tough guys. And they do, except secretly, okay, the tough guys get on their motorcycles and follow them, okay? And what nobody knows is that you remember Jason Voorhees from the beginning? He's hiding in the barn of the cabin that they are going to.
4: Is he still ugly? Oh
2: yeah, he's he's yeah. real ugly. He's got a bag over his head, I think. Or maybe he took it off. I think he has a bag over his head. Cause he's ugly and he has a hole that he can look out of. You
4: see, in my time, when people are ugly, we just simply exile them from the cities. That way we don't even have to worry about this dreadful bag situation. I
2: think they would like Exile Jason because he keeps killing. The police are chasing him. They're like, hey, we're going to arrest you because you kill people so he's in the barn okay and the kids the the young people they are going to the, the cabin and they're like hey uh we're gonna hang out we're gonna you know do some drinking and do some smoking and maybe smooch in a little bit and the tough guys are following them and there's the tough guys are showing up and the tough guys are like we're gonna make them pay if you know what i mean because they are jerks so they're sneaking around and they start sneaking around in the barn okay and uh Ritter do they Expect that guess who's has been the barn. Do you remember that? I said who's in the barn? Uh,
4: Yes, Jason.
2: Yeah He's like I will kill you and he kills them first. He uses a pitchfork and he's like stabbing in your neck in 3d in 3d
4: wait in this particular scene He announces no. that his intention to kill them no. before he kills them. He
2: only speaks for killing by by doing killing very
4: unsporting
2: so imagine if if you saw someone take out a pitchfork and stick it in your neck and kill you you'd be like i think what they're trying to say is i'm killing you
4: i'm not sure if i'd be able to see someone sticking a pitchfork through my neck yeah you
2: just look down a little bit
4: well usually by the time it goes through my neck i'm not going to be able to see much of anything
2: okay but what if i filmed it with a camera and showed it to you on a video
4: i Still not be able to see it, I'd be dead.
2: Oh, right, right, right. Well, if I didn't live... Then,
4: then being... yes, I, su- I suppose that, that could work. So Can I... you at least be sporting about it and say, I will kill you before you do it?
2: No, that's what he's thinking. He's thinking, hey, I'm going to kill... Hey, what if I kill them? And he does. So he does pitchfork through the neck of one. Then he does a pitchfork through the body of another, okay? Then another one comes in and goes, hey, where's my friends? Oh, sh- they're dead. And then Jason goes, hook a bunk and, you know, smashes that person over the head.
4: Wow, what a smashing, rallying cry there. hop a ponk bunk?
2: hop a is what he did. Right on the, wow, head, boom, ow, right
4: down. D- did he shout that out as he, as he... He
2: basically doesn't shout out anything, but it's a, it's a mental thing, and it's in 3D.
4: Oh, I see. This is actually a 5D film, and you can see his thoughts as, well, as he makes his kill. I
2: am illuminating his thoughts in your ears, right? now how did you
4: people get by without 5d
2: i just have 1d 2d 3d that's it done so those people are dead oh but you know what i forgot to say you know what they did do you know how you know how sometimes people are thirsty right and they they use a little plastic fin in their drinks I don't ever do this.
4: Oh, I, I love those little plastic umbrellas, they're they're no, very no, smashing no, and fabulous. No,
2: no, not umbrellas, like a little tube.
4: Oh, oh, straws.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. They did rake like a straw, but they did it right in their gas tank.
4: Oh, they- they stuck a straw in his gas tank.
2: And then they- I guess they- they drank it. <sighs> I don't know. Not Jason's, in the- in the kids' gas tank. They were like, hey, we will drink the gas. So they don't have no gas anymore. But they don't know that. So those tough guys are all dead, okay? They're dead. So, yeah, that's what the sound was. And so then the night is falling, okay? And it's getting dark. And Jason is still just kind of going around spying on everybody. He's like, hey, what's everybody doing? I'm going to watch. And maybe i will kill them if I feel like it. So, that's what he's thinking. So the girl who got attacked two years ago her and her boyfriend are like we're gonna go for a walk in the woods what do you think about that and jason is like oh i'm not gonna go fire them i'm gonna stay with these other kids and so this dude one dude is like hey guys i'm gonna go out to the Poop room outside and I'm going to poop. Oh, also, yeah, yeah, they have a poop room outside. I mean, it's got, you're in the room inside, but the room is outside of the house. You know, it's like if you put your litter box out in a different litter house. That's what they did. So, he goes out. Yeah, he goes, I'm gonna go poop in it, and I'm gonna smoke something that you're not supposed to smoke. It's against the law. Okay, bye. And he does, and while he's in there, do you know what happens? Somebody starts going, ah bum 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 on the walls. Ah bum bum bum. And he's like, hey, quit it. Who's doing that? Bum 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 bum. He looks out, and there's nobody there. Nobody's there. But I think it was probably Jason. But he doesn't know that. So, then a little bit later, the dude Sherry, who's like the big fat guy, he's like, Hey, uh, he puts on a wetsuit and a hockey mask and gets a, um, um, a spear gun that shoots a stick out people. And he goes out and goes, Whoa. And he's like pretending that he's scary. And the girl is like, You are not scary. You are a jerk. I don't like you, Sherry. Why don't you just get away from here? Because you suck a beer. So, Sherry's like, oh, everybody's mad at me because I play funny jokes, but they don't like funny jokes. And then Jason goes, oh, kill, slits his throat, he's dead. Sherry's dead. Did
4: he make a hubba bunk bunk sound?
2: No, because it was his throat, so it's like, slick! Like that.
4: Very imaginative.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then the blood is coming out, and Jason, thinks with his brain he thinks hey i just killed this kid but he's got a hockey mask and i'm ugly so why don't i take his hockey mask and put it on my ugly face so i don't have to wear a bag anymore bags are stupid but i would wear a hockey mask nobody could see how ugly i am how about that pretty smart he does it so he walks back out with the hockey mask on and the girl that sherry played a joke on sees him and she's like sherry I already told you that you're not scary, and you're not funny, and you're a dick, so how about that? And Jason is not Sherry, and Jason goes, Oh, why don't I actually shoot her with the actual spear gun for wheels oh, so It goes right into her eyeball, and she's dead. Oh,
4: that is so about back. Yeah, 3D, also. That is just plain primitive. 3D.
2: Yeah, but in her eye. So, Jason, then Jason is like, you know, I think it's about time. I'm, I'm imagining what he says to himself in his head. I think it's about time to kill pretty much everybody. So he walks into the house, and there's a, a dude and a girl, and they're doing it. And he's like, oh, they're doing it. That's not so good, in my opinion. So,
4: oh, don't tell me he's one of those prudes.
2: I think a little bit, yeah. He's like, why do people always have to be doing it? And so he, then he... Terrorism was So they do it. And then the girl goes, I'm going to go into the shower. And the guy's like, I'm going to walk on my hands upside down because I'm silly. And Jason is like, this is stupid. And so he chops the upside down guy in half. Right in half. In the middle. Dead. Cut in half. Then the girl comes out of the shower and she's like, hey, where's my boyfriend? I'm going to sit on this hammock, I guess. Oh, stabbed through the hammock. Into the body. Out the body dead that's what happens to her then jason i guess gets decides to be sneaky and he's like oh you know what you know what people won't be expecting is if the power goes out so he goes and makes the power go out in the basement, and one of the other dudes who is not dead and doesn't know about the, all the dead people actually it's the same guy who was doing the pooping before he's like, oh I'll go downstairs and turn on the electricity I guess because something's wrong with electricity OH! Jason grabbed my head and smashed my face into the circuits and I'm electrocuted and I'm dead
4: Wow, for a dead person that's a very descriptive thing to the scream in your final moments I
2: think he dies right when he says the word dead, Right? Like, oh I'm dead Right then.
4: Still, that's a very descriptive thing to say in your final moments. But
2: it's all true. It's all true. Well, no one
4: can argue with that.
2: He got electrocuted. Jason did it. So then, there's one girl left in the house, I guess. And Sherry, remember Sherry with the, the throat got sick, cut? He stumbles in and he's like, oh, I'm not dead yet. Okay, yeah, I'm dead now. And he dies. And the girl's like, What? What happened to Sherry? Are you really dead for years? And Jason is like, Oh, show you by making you really dead for reals too and he stabs her to death and she dies. Okay, so at this point, Jason has killed everybody, he killed the tough guys, he killed everybody in the house. So all that's left is the two people who went for a walk, the boyfriend and the girl who he attacked two years ago, do you remember that? It's true. So! They come back, and they're like, hey, everybody's gone, and the power's out. What's going on? Why don't we split up and look around to find them?
4: Personally, I myself am a big opponent of the system. I feel like you could just be much more efficient if you have just as many vulnerable people going at it alone as possible. You cover so much more ground so much faster.
2: That's what they're thinking. We will be able to see more things if we see them separate. So what happens is the boyfriend goes off and Jason pops out and goes, sure he does this. He just does it. He grabs his head with his two hands, and he squeezes his head so hard that his eyes pop out and he dies. And it's in 3D and that's scary. To
4: you, perhaps.
2: It's scary to everybody with eyes. You've got eyes. What if they popped out?
4: Granted, it's not something I think about on a regular- Well, usually just when I first wake up in the morning, I just think to myself, What if my eyes pop out this morning? You do? I thought everyone did. Oh,
2: no, I never thought about that until I saw this movie. Huh. What would you do if your eyes popped out?
4: Yeah, I think I'd just, uh, just, uh, go on to die at that point.
2: There'd be no more fashion.
4: There wouldn't be any more fashion. For you. You could for, be- For anyone. You there could be- There is none without me.
2: No, you could be like, the new fashion is to smell good.
4: I like the way you're thinking, cat move on okay
2: so his eyes pop out he died so then Jason goes okay just one person left the girl and she he picks up her an axe and he's like I'm gonna kill you with an axe and she's like oh my god Jason is here and he, she, she runs away and she knocks over a bookshelf on him and he's like "Ow!" Oh, and then she stabs him in the leg with the knife that he used to kill somebody earlier and she and he's like oh I'm angry and she bashes him with, a, with a, a yag and he's like ah oh. So she gets away and she's in the van and she starts up the van and she gets to driving but then it's like the van goes, I'm out of gas, they, they, they stole all the gas and she runs out of gas. So she's like, okay, I can't get away. So she runs into the barn to hide in the barn and Jason comes into the barn and he gets his machete and he's like, gonna kill her, he's like, this is what it's gonna be, I'm gonna kill you, okay. But she smacks him on the head with a shovel okay and then she she ties in the rope around his neck and she kicks him out the window and he's like and he's he got hung out of a window on a rope by the neck and she's like oh good he is dead that is good because i do not want to die i'm glad he's dead here's the problem with that thing he's not dead and he grabs the rope and in order to get the rope off his head, he has to lift up his mask. And she's like, That ugly face is the ugly face of the ugly person who attacked me two years ago. What are the odds that this will happen to me again? And so Jason gets away from the rope and he grabs a machete. And he's, Oh my gosh. Do you remember the guy that Jason hit over the head with a bunk bunk? The tough guy? Yes. Yeah. He didn't die. And the tough guy jumps out and starts attacking Jason because he's like, Oh, you're going to, you're going to hit me on the head while, you know, try to kill you. And Jason's like, you can't kill me. And so he's chopping up the tough guy. But for this time, the guy's for real dead. Chop. But then Chris, the girl is like, I have a sneaky idea. While he's chopping that guy, I will take the axe and I will chop him and she hits him in the head okay with axe in the head in 3d with axe killing him and he falls on the ground and he's dead so then Chris goes huh Well, everybody is dead, so I think I will get into a canoe and uh, go to sleep, and then I will drift out into the middle of the lake, what do you think about that? And she wakes up in the middle of the lake and goes, huh, I'm in the middle of the lake, (gasps) huh? And she sees Jason out on shore, and he's coming for her, and she's like, no, no, this can't be true, no, no, and... Then jump out of the water is Jason's dead mother. Jumps out of the water and grabs her and pulls her into the water. And then she wakes up and she's like, bah, 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 bah. And really, none of that last part about the, the Jason's mother happened. And people are taking her into an ambulance going, She's crazy. Something is wrong with her brain. She's mental. Uh, but yeah, Jason's dead. There he is. He's dead. The end.
4: Oh, you'd have to be rather crazy and strange to... Imagine that someone that ugly exists. No,
2: no, Jason existed.
4: Sure. Mexican gonna be coming for you if you're not careful. No,
2: the only part that was a dream was the part where she was in the canoe. The rest of it all was real.
4: I must say, when I go and uh, kill an evil, homicidal, ugly madman, I myself would like to celebrate victory with a nice little placid canoe ride.
2: What? You do? For Mm. reals?
4: Of course. It's the only real way to get over one's bloodlust. Just... Simply get on the canoe right out to the middle of the lake.
2: Oh, so how many times did you do that?
4: Uh, I'd say uh, ten and a quarter. Wow,
2: you killed a lot of madmen.
4: Well, madmen and sometimes just... Madmen who are kind of ugly, and maybe a few ugly ones.
2: Wow! So, what do you do if there's no lake nearby?
4: I try to make sure that I stop my madmen close to lakes okay. or rivers. That's
2: sensible. It's the
4: only fashionable way to dispatch the homicidal madmen.
2: Okay. So, as I'm sure you can tell. Okay? All scary stories have a scary moral to them. Don't be crazy. Well, that's a good one, but that's not, I don't think that's the scary moral of this one. I think the scary moral of this one is this. If you get attacked by some crazy killer, do not go back there, you dumbass.
4: But how are you gonna get your rematch and your canoe ride afterwards?
2: All of her friends are dead and she's crazy, both. So that does not seem like a good thing for anybody involved.
4: She probably just wasn't fashionable enough.
2: Everybody involved in the story Ends up worse off because she went to the place where the crazy killer guy was. Don't do that.
4: So, don't seek rematches?
2: No. Why would you do that? Somebody already beat you. How
4: do you win then? You just fight people you could beat. How about that? There's no training montage. No. I mean, this was made in the 80s, wasn't it? So. Yeah, but
2: this is. She wasn't going back to kill Jason. She was going back because she was like, I'm afraid of Jason. So, I'm going to go back so I'm not afraid anymore.
4: That's stupid. Oh, you see, her problem was she just had fear, just stop having fear but
2: then she still would have gone back
4: no because fear wouldn't have even entered into it and she would have had no desire to go back
2: I don't know all I know is she got attacked by a crazy guy and then she's like i would like to go back to your place where I was attacked by no- what are you doing what are you doing don't do it if I was saying to you Lord Zest hey do you want to go back and uh, have a debate against uh, President Byron Samuels you'd be like no I'd be like yes why, why would you he do that he deserves a rematch no you would you would rose. he already beat you And
4: I shall become better and beat him do not bring up president samuels in my presence but
2: look he already beat you one time i
4: will engage in fisticuffs
2: i don't understand that's not a debate first of all
4: it's not a debate because i've already won
2: what no that what that doesn't make any sense
0: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know, Lord Zest. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But I do appreciate you being here. You are, as, uh, as we've said, the a champion debater, although not the ultimate debater.
4: I will have my rematch, Jordan. Yeah. Someday, somewhere, somehow, President Samuels will know the sweet taste of my vengeance.
0: Is that an official challenge? Take it as you please. All right. Well, maybe that's an official challenge. Um. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Scape, what do you have to tell us about the, uh, the next one?
2: Oh, I know what to tell you about the next one. On the next one, it's called The Final Chapter Part 4 of Lake 11, so enjoy that How can it be a
4: final chapter if it's part 4 of 11? That doesn't make any sense yeah, Why 20th century
0: Thank you for listening to This Day in History. My name is Rory St. John, and this is WHRW Binghamton. On July 2nd, 1937, the Lockheed aircraft carrying American aviator Amelia Earhart and navigator Frederick Noonan is reported missing near Howland Island in the Pacific. The pair were attempting to fly around the world when they lost their bearings. No trace of Earhart or Noonan was ever found.
9: Okay, Amelia, uh,
11: I'm your navigator, and I'm navigating. I need you to get something in the back of the plane, because that's standard flight protocol. Let's do this.
13: <gasps> all right, all right. Let me go. This is so overrated, this- this whole flying around the world business. All right, let me see. Oh my! Oh my yeah, where's goodness! Where's that stuff? I'm trying to navigate, there's, and it's not happening. There's a snake! There's a snake! A back snake. Here. There's, there's a hole! There's a snake on the plane! There's snakes around here! The snakes. Oh my goodness! There's way too many snakes! Oh uh, yeah! i i got snakes! Sick of all these mother snakes sorry, on this motherfucking Sorry, sorry uh, packing stop, snakes. Stop! You packed snakes? Oh, oh well, my I God. thought it what would be a good publicity what thing what when we landed. Come, come, suck the poison out of my leg. There's no, snake venom in my No, head. that's but, a bad
11: thing. Why? Well, then I'll get the poison but, in my mouth.
13: I, I, so I don't care about you. I am dying
11: <laughs> Hold here. on suck a second.
8: You can die. Let me I shoot this live.
11: snake first. Bang. And I'll give you this shot of antivenom. Oh, yes. And we'll, and we'll land at this. Hey, look, those Japanese planes are motioning us to land.
10: We'll see what they Want. Oh, uh. And months later, Amelia Earhart and my shipment of snakes are both missing? Blast. Yes, it's true. Uh, One should never suck the
0: poison out of a snake bite. Uh, that's a myth. And in fact, it just spreads the infection. It's a very bad thing. Uh, antivenom is, in fact, the actual thing you should use. Go to a doctor, call an emergency room, things like that. This is This Day in History. Very informative on WHRW Binghamton.
2: Okay, wait a, wait a second about these snakes for a second. My name is Scape White, style of scapey stories, so now. And this is Celebrity. where are they now in history? I'm casting rocks. And like, uh, do you know what a snake is? I'll tell you. A snake is like a lizard. Okay, wizard lizard. But with no legs. <laughs> so what happens is, it goes, Hey, I'm gonna walk. Oh, I can't! I'm just in wiggling! Oh no! Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle! <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a bit of thread. A little strain, a strain. Now the problem is, snakes have little teeth in their heads, like I do. I have little fangs too, and if I bite you, it hurts. Now. The difference is, snake teeth are like poison. It's like, imagine if somebody shot you with a gun, okay? And then the bullet in the gun was like, in addition to being a bullet from a gun, I will stab you as well. With little bullet knives, the bullet is holding a knife, and it's like, while I go through, I'll stab you, stab, stab, stab. That's what the teeth is like. It's like, I will stab dab my teeth into you, but also, I'll poison you. What? How does that work? Now, if that happens to you, you might think, hey, how do I get this poison out? Maybe I will ask somebody to drink it. Don't do that! Because if you have poison in a cup, are you gonna go, hey, why don't you drink it so I can get rid of it? No, you pour it in the toilet and you flush it. what dad told me. The point is, if somebody has poison from a snake, you don't drink it. That's stupid. You just let them die. My name is Scapey White, and this is Celebrity. Where are they now in history? on casting rocks.
12: The Diner, episode number ten, The Betrayal, created by Angela Timon, written by C. H. Berman, P. Christopher Bowers. Michael Voisner and Daniel Angela and Sashquatch Schwartz. Like any episode of the diner, this one begins at the diner. As usual, silly things were happening. It had been two weeks since Ruth made her stop looking at Ruth policy, and strangely, I hadn't seen her since then. Clearly, there must have been some kind of explanation. I looked to Ruth for answers, or I would have, were I allowed to.
14: Ruth. Ruth, are you there? Ow. Sorry. Is that you, Ruth? No, it's somebody else. But you shouldn't look to verify that. Hi, Ruth. I will not respond, probably not being Ruth. This is the most suspicious
6: thing that's happened since the talking sandwich. Okay, not Ruth. Why aren't we supposed to
14: look at Ruth? I'm not Ruth, so I can't tell you it's because I'm planning to betray you all. Which, of course, is something Ruth would never do. But
6: why would someone like Ruth not betray us?
14: Oh, You'd have to ask Ruth, but I doubt she'd say that she was stealing Matthew's contacts to open her own diner next door, which is six inches taller, and therefore better.
6: Now it all
14: makes sense. Really? Don't you want to know why Ruth wouldn't do that?
6: Well, no, it's just because she's a sociopathic bitch. True. But there's
12: more to it than that. So much more... to it.
6: Don't care anymore, not Ruth.
12: So there I was, caught between a rock and Dwayne Johnson, weighing my options. Do I warn Matthew Nichols' entrepreneur immediately? Or do I wait for my laughing to stop? Or do I not say anything and watch the defecation hit the oscillation? Spectator or player character? So I thought I would ask Carter.
7: Please have sex with me.
12: Carter, I need you to focus
6: for just five seconds.
7: I am focused, vehemently, on having sex with you.
6: Carter, think about how much harder it's going to be to have sex with me if we don't work here anymore. I'm ruined. Okay, now that you see the dire nature of this situation, listen to the words coming out of my mouth and not my boobs. But I hear them so clearly. Listen, here's what they're saying to you. Ruth is a mole! For herself! She only took the position of business consultant to infiltrate the diner to steal all of our secrets and open her own diner across the street! Well, not secrets. Contacts. We don't have any secrets worth sharing, actually.
5: But
7: you get the idea! Oh yes, Boobs. I have all of the ideas. Boobs, you are right. This is a catastrophe.
6: So what should we do?
7: Have sex like it's the end of the world.
6: Oh, yeah, so it'll be like the rapture, and I'll never come. No. Clearly asking you is a poor choice. I'll ask around. So should I tell him?
9: That's what she said.
6: That is what I said.
9: That is what she said.
6: Should I tell him? No, 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 let me, let me, let me do do it. Should I tell him? That's a horrible
12: way to cook beans.
10: Should I tell him? Honesty is always the best policy.
6: (laughs) Should I tell him? Moral decisions make me tired. Should I tell him?
11: Telling the truth is the gesamp kunstwerk. What? What?
6: What?
10: Should I tell him? Hey!
12: Yes.
6: Should I tell him?
7: Can I just have my coffee, please?
6: Should I tell him?
8: You stay the f*** away from Michael!
6: So should I tell him? Oh, you definitely should tell him. If you can find him. Should I tell him? What
5: was with the trumpets? Does everybody get trumpets? Can I pick mine? Beck, for sure. Maybe flugelhorn. Why are you looking at me like that?
14: Should I tell him?
6: Correct. I finally had my answer. I was
14: going to tell... It is I. Ruth Nichols Sabater. Shut up, guy.
9: Who said that? Ruth? Is that you? I can't look at you.
14: You can now, Matthew. The rules have changed.
9: Ah, Ruth, I can't look at you. You betrayed me.
14: Yes. Expose to me the back I have already stabbed you in.
9: I knew something was up when I received these letters from my suppliers, indicating they would now be supplying you. I knew I shouldn't have divorced you so messily, or perhaps more messily, with a pickaxe, that is.
14: If you use that pickaxe as well as you crank the horny gurney, I am quite safe. Nothing can stop me from opening my own diner next door. Ha! Ha ha, 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 That will never work. It is six inches taller.
9: I'm ruined! Uh,
0: no, 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 it's it's okay. It's okay, Matt. I mean, 80% of all small businesses fail anyway.
9: This wasn't your fault. You were doomed from the start. Only 80% doomed. Now, I'm 100% doomed.
14: Why don't you go cry? On your yacht.
9: Gasp! Yes! You broke my toe, Ruth.
5: You broke my toe.
14: I take my leave.
5: Don't let the door hit you on the way out.
14: I will, just to spite you.
9: Ow! Ah, Samuel, I forgot you. We're still here. Perhaps you should be our filthy new business consultant. It's Sammy's time to shine.
12: Oh! I learned a lot about Matt's dick that day, and then the accident happened.
0: In that episode of The Diner, Old Jen was Julia Kelly, Ruth was Lisa Paquette, Jen was Angela Schwartz, Carter was Jack Hoonrat, Mike was Jordan Randall, Steve was Pete Bowers, Bernadette was Cheska Miller, Jan was Sarah Diaz, Art-loving customer was Ed Jones, Chop Henderson was Pete Bowers, Norris was Charles Berman, Batasha was Julia Kelly, Slam Jackson was Jack Hoonrat, Nathan Vanetten was Mickey Washner, Cliff was Charles Berman, Matthew Nichols was Daniel Schwartz, and Sammy was Mickey Weishner. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you so much. Um,
1: It
0: is. It has gotten really hot in here, and I am now joining both—I'm not even—I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and I'm drenched in sweat, too. So it's not even just the people in suits. I'm not wearing the suit anymore, you'll probably notice. Well, you're wearing—no, you're not wearing it. No, because it's ridiculously hot in here, and I feel like I might die if I kept it on. That's not... I don't... That doesn't make any sense because, like, evaporation is a cooling, right? So the fact that you're drenched in sweat, you should be feeling really cool and refreshed. You no, know, Jordan, that's not... That's not what... It, it does cool you down, but it doesn't feel refreshing. Well, I am not feeling refreshed, that's for sure. Right, that's my point. Okay, um... We have some listener mail. Oh, listener mail. Um, you can write to us at castinwax at gmail dot com. That's cast in wax at gmail dot com. And also, uh you can you can please please go on iTunes and um rate us on iTunes on, on under Casting Wax under the podcasts stuff. And also leave us uh, some reviews on on uh on, on uh, iTunes and we can read those. Let me see if we got any new ones of those. Uh we do. We got some more ratings and also we we got one more review. It says um Uh, uh, infinitely fascinating and entertaining podcast. This podcast has literally changed my life. After listening to one episode, I was completely sold. Since then, I have begun the tireless process of listening to all the episodes in order. After I have listened to all the episodes, I will likely (sighs) listen to them again. They are that good. Packed with hilarious hijinks and brilliant banter. Controversial, thought-provoking, and utterly comical. This show is a must-listen Super kudos to Jordan and company for making a truly unique and amazingly enjoyable show. Uh, you're making this world a better place, and we owe you a debt of gratitude for your efforts, and we can't wait to hear more. So that's a really nice review. So please go on and review us again. Not, I mean, if you haven't reviewed us, go and review us. We like to get these reviews. Okay. Are you all right. Yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I think I'll make it, yes. Just, can, we, can we wrap up the show? No, we've got listener mail. Oh, God. No, that's good. Thank you. Listener mail, please send us lots of, of listener mail. Um, okay, what was I going to say about that? Frank, can you just read us one of these letters, please? Oh, fine. Um, dear Comrade White, thank you very much for the consideration you've given to my offer of a position in the Cuban government. Thankfully, I think
3: we'll be able to address most of your concerns. First, we will have no problem transporting your wife and cats to Cuba as well. That way, you will not have to leave your family
0: for your new career. Rory is right. The national language of Cuba is Spanish, but we will be happy to provide translators for you all until you achieve fluency, which should be sooner rather than later with the free translators we will provide. I understand your work on comics is important to you, which is why I have been able, after some discussion, to secure a place for you with the Cuban People's National Comic
3: Strip Bureau. Please let me know when it would be most convenient to begin the emigration process. Hasta la Victoria Siempre, Raúl Castro, Chairman of the Communist Party of Cuba, President
0: of the Republic of Cuba. Okay, Raúl. Thank you so much. Like I, I, I again, I do appreciate it. But first of all, it's I think it's hot in Cuba, and it's hot here, but I I don't want it to be hotter where I am here, there, than I even am here, because it's already hot, and I like to make comic books, but I like, to, I like to make comic books at Marvel Comic Books, and also, my wife is a doctor, and she has a job as a doctor here, and my cats definitely don't speak Spanish, and they couldn't even talk to translators properly because they're jerks. So Raúl, I said you don't want to go to Cuba.
2: Well, maybe not.
0: Good. Okay. Thank you, Raúl Castro. Where else do we have letters? Oh, okay. here's one. Rory, why don't you read uh, this one right here? All right. Um, dear sir, I ordered a couple large cacti from you a while back for some reason. The cacti don't seem to have arrived, but my credit card has been way overcharged. Over. One thousand dollars. I would appreciate it if you would address this matter immediately. I don't have that kind of money to spare, Carter Bradley. Rory, that's the guy you were gonna buy him cactuses. I did. I ordered them, um, but I ordered them very cheaply. You know, from a place that takes a very long time to deliver. So that's probably why they're not there. But you charged him a thousand dollars? No, no, I charged him over a thousand dollars. But that's a that's the transaction fee for me. Taking his money and then paying for cactuses, you know, it's it's just a it's a thing that happens. That doesn't sound like a legal thing that happens. That sounds like an illegal thing that happens. No, it's totally it's totally legal because I'm pro- I'm because I'm providing a service for this gentleman. I don't know, man. It sounds like you're ripping him off, and I don't like when you rip people off. I never rip people off. I do not It's a thing I don't do. I make sure they always get the service that they have requested. That's what I do. That is how. I do the thing I do. Alright, I just don't... I don't want you to get in any more trouble. Sounds like you're the one who's going to be in trouble because you're the one who's got, you know, killing all the people at the zoo. I'm not killing the zoo. No, the people at the zoo. I'm not killing the people at the zoo. It was the animals killed them. So they should be the ones who are responsible. We should... We'll take them to the firing squad if it's that big of a deal. Well, it sounds like a big deal. People dying at the
3: zoo.
2: No.
0: And also... We got in the morning mail. Frank, read the to letter to Rory. Fine. Dear Rory, I'm writing to find out if you still do extra-historical readings on the air. I have a dilemma, and I thought that hearing about one or more worlds in which I chose one or the other path might help me make the decision in this world. On the one hand, I have an opportunity to attend an exclusive university to pursue my field and hone my craft. I was granted a full scholarship which is a rare and generous opportunity, and it would seem crazy to pass it up. However, on the other hand, I have been offered an interview with someone who may be able to jumpstart my career immediately based on my amateur work and give me the once-in-a-lifetime chance to oversee my own institute. So you see, these are both opportunities that will likely not present themselves again, and I want to be sure that I make the correct choice. I hope you can help with thanks, JB. <laughs> JB. That's funny. Well, why is that funny? That's like, it's like it's Jack Black. Like Jack Black got, got into rock school and now he's going to start his own school of rock, like the movie that he was in, school of no, rock. No, pr- I mean, I'm probably not Jack Black. No, I mean, no, probably not. Ah, oh, look, JB, um, you should call him Jables. You know, that's not a thing to do. It's what they call Jack Black and Tenacious T. That's what they call him. Fine, look, Jables, Just if you have an opportunity to start your own institute, you should do it. That's what I did. And I was a part of an institute with a scholarship. And then I started my own institute because Frank shut it down. But my point is, a full scholarship at an institution is not really that amazing. Because if you make your own institute, you get to get money for your job. And that's th- where you wanted extra historical reading. Y- yeah, Rory, he wanted—he didn't want you to give advice. Oh, uh, right, I didn't give advice. Uh, so I didn't give advice. No, no. All right, uh, okay. Well, JB, there is another world where you already have an institute, and it's great. The end. That wasn't very good, No, yeah, That was pretty poor even for you um we got another letter oh we got a really long letter okay uh i'll read it here we go um oh gosh this is from the same guy who wrote the review it says greetings and salutations to the hosts of casts in wax first and foremost let me just say how much i enjoy your show i only discovered your podcast in february curiously when your podcast feed was somehow switched with the unofficial fan podcast A Cast of Wax. However, oh God, um, I enjoyed the show so much since I started listening. I decided to listen to every episode, starting with the first one. I listen to the podcast every day, and I'm already working on the mega episode number 88. I think that's the one where we finished all of our serials. Um It has been truly a thrill to go back in time and hear the origins of the many references made in recent episodes. And I must admit that I'm planning to begin listening to them all again once I'm caught up. Thank you for continuing to grace the world with your efforts. I can assure you that they are not only enjoyed, but also appreciated. I imagine someday future archaeologists and historians, extra and otherwise, We'll utilize these tomes of reference to learn a great deal about the civilization of our time. I can't, I can't do this, guys. It's just, I, I'm too hot. Just turn on the additional
3: Jordan. Just I, it
0: I don't want, I don't want to ruin this show. I the
3: show. It's the only it. way. It's the only way, Jordan. Please just do it. Scave's already passed out. Just turn it on, right, guys. Okay. All right, here I go.
0: Oh God, that's so nice. Yes, yes, it is. Oh, nah.
1: oh.
0: oh, but it probably sounds so terrible. I'm sure it's so loud. People are like going to be like, "Oh, I can't listen to the rest of the podcast." I'm sure that's not the case, Jordan. I'm sure it's not. It's probably barely even. I'm sure they could barely. It's so nice. It is. It really is. Okay. Um. Oh, back to the letter. Um. All that being said, the civilization, all those things. All that being said, I have a request. I recently saw the movie Prometheus in the theater and. To be perfectly honest, I left the theater feeling a little confused about what the scary moral was. I began to think that the plot of Prometheus would make a really excellent Scapy story. Because not only is it a very scary story, but Scapey could explain the scary moral in clear terms, like he always does, so people who were confused by it, like myself, could finally understand what we were meant to take away from this movie. As it turns out, I'm not the only one who's confused by it. Even now, the debate rages throughout the internet over what the scary moral of the story was. So... I would like to request, if at all possible, that Scapy tell a Scapy story version of Prometheus, so we can finally put to bed all this debate and confusion. I don't know if they allow cats into movie theaters, although my wife tells me she's confident Scapy can charm his way into the theater. If not, perhaps Jordan can see the movie and tell Scapy about it, like he has with some other stories. Either way, I would love to hear Scapy tell the scary story of Prometheus, and I look forward to your response with eager anticipation. Thank you so much to all the hosts, guest hosts, and cast. I absolutely love the work you do. My days will never be the same. Thanks to you with sincerest appreciation, Remix Overdrive, A.K.A. Steve. Well, Steve, thank you for writing in to us, and I'm sorry I, I had to pause in the middle of your letter there, but I was—it was very hot. Um, I'm sorry about this annoying air conditioner sound. I'm sure you are hearing and hating as you, as you, as you listen to this. But Prometheus, you know, I haven't watched it. I, I've, I've heard mixed reviews, and some people that I know have told me I won't like it. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I haven't seen it. But I'll tell you what—I'll try. I'll try to see if I can see it. Not sure if it'll be in the theater, just because right now we are in the middle of Friday the 13th, uh, the series of films uh, in Scapey Stories. Now, technically, we could take a break. So we'll see. If I get around to seeing it, I'll, I'll do it. If not, you'll have to wait till Friday the 13th is over. But uh, otherwise, I mean, what did you think about that, Scapey?
2: what, 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 what did you say? What? Uh, the
0: Wanted to tell Prometheus.
2: Tell Prometheus what? Who's Prometheus?
0: Okay, well, he obviously wasn't paying attention, but he I'm sure he'll do it. If, if we can get him the chance,
2: I'll do anything. If, if it involves me being awesome, I'll do it.
0: It does. It does.
2: Okay. Well, let's go. All,
0: all right. Well, fine. Um, uh, how are you guys doing? So much better. So much better. Yeah. I feel it feels really nice, Jordan. Thank you for turning that okay, on. Okay. Well, uh, you know, sorry for ruining the last part of the podcast with that awful noise. But um, speaking of uh, awful noise at the end of the podcast, uh, here's going to be a. a, 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 a ukulele is for covers i did a very quick one it's a they might be giant song called weep day hopefully you will dig it and uh until next time i'll uh be seeing you
1: i never went to a tropical island though everybody said they saw me there and it wasn't me who punched the hole in at the west german protest march simultaneous events don't happen we are isolated temporarily and a part is never called the whole thing, though it bothers me to know it so. Everybody's made up two opinions. Every woman has a second hand. Now it's samba tempo, tambo, and weep day for your. Samba tempo, tambo, and weep day for your. end Yes, it's samba tempo, tambo, and weep day for your. end Samba tempo, tambo, and weep. Day for your end. I didn't write the words, you hear me sing You the words, you'd hear me sing before this, in the you before this not sing the line before this one, one. was are not the one I was addressing That person took dress. a plane to Africa, Africa Where they met the consulate from Belgium Who is now a Buddhist in a cave? Who was pitching for the Oakland Raiders Striking out the banner who became. Everybody's made up two opinions Every woman has a second hand Now it's summertime for Tombo and Wheat Day for your, it's it's summer time time for day for your in summertime for Tombo and Wheat day, day for your in Summer It's summertime for Tombo and Wheat Day for your in Weep. whip, 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 whip,